Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. <laughs> I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, yeah. I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling right. of grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today, we are sitting down with Shizu Okusa to talk about her path to entrepreneurship, drink, self-care, and everything else in between. I hope you enjoy. This is Shizu's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. (laughs) Hi, Shizu. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you. I'm excited to see you. I haven't seen you in so long. No, it's been like... A long time. A long, long time. And a lot has changed and shifted, and I'm really happy to, to share your story with the Hey Girl listeners. So before we dive into our juicy conversation, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure, yeah. Uh, it's always an interesting question to answer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so my name is Shizu Okusa. I'm the founder of Drink and CEO of Drink. Uh, before that, um, I'm also a deep down farmer. Uh, my mom is a photographer, so I also take some photos on the side, um, ex-finance. Um, but yeah, I've been in the district for about five years now, building Drink from the ground up, and it's been a wild experience that you've actually, you've really witnessed. I've yeah, seen it. I've yeah. seen it from the start. And it's crazy. Five years. I don't know why I thought it was so much longer than that. It's No, yeah, it's been, I feel like that. that's really long. <laughs> I mean, it is long. I mean, but that just comes to show like, man, like we met like right when I had met Ryan because we've yeah. been together five years now. Yeah. So time has flown and drink has exploded. And I want to talk Oh, I'm so excited. I want to talk about how you got to drink. So let's start from the beginning. You mentioned ex-finance. Yeah. How did the finance corporate world shape your life and then shift you into entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I never say it's linear. Uh, you know, I started on the, the trading desk of Goldman Sachs doing mm. prop investing. So mm. that's like polar opposite. It was like distressed investing in like broken businesses and trying to like own them and then you know the metrics of success there were just so backwards Mm -hmm. and it's like it it could be infinite when you ever feel like worthwhile or you know ever feel successful in any way Mm -hmm. and um i hit rock bottom like i was just eating really bad drinking a lot 
And like, I think drinking is like a culture that's like breeded in New York mm-hmm. in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And um, but when you hit rock bottom, I think you're able to see more clearly. Like, there's only up, there's only going up from there. Right. And um, anyhow, so I think you know that rock bottom and then opportunity really presented itself where the desk was kind of falling apart, and uh, there was new regulations and. You know, everyone was kind of hating on finance. And uh, I mean, I, I loved it. I did. And I learned a lot. But I actually quit and I uh, moved to Africa out of all places. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. So I lived there for about a year. Wow. So I you lived, just quit and I decided I just need to like take a breather. I need to get out. There was a broken relationship I had at the time that I was doing like really broken long distance. Mm. And then there was work stuff. And I was like, God, I just need to get out of here and uh, learn other cultures, see how other people are so happy without much money at all or fame or LinkedIn or any of that. (laughs) So I lived in Mozambique. Or LinkedIn. Oh, my goodness. Like any of that. That's the truth. Yeah. 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 Or social media. I had a a Nokia with like the snake game. Oh, my goodness. It's the best. The best. (laughs) Um, anyhow, yeah, so I lived there for some time working with entrepreneurs, like farmers, helping them raise money for like tractors and capital raising, because that was my experience. And then I moved to Bali for two months, oh. and I got my yoga teacher certification, and they're like, they teach you a lot about Ayurveda and medicine and healing really from the inside in, and mm. Rock Bottom is really that place to like learn and open up all those dark, like dark things and bandages that yeah. you, like you always put on. Moved back to D.C. just to move back to North America. Mm-hmm. Um, I landed a job at the World Bank where it kind of bridged my finance from Goldman with my emerging markets in Africa. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then in D.C., you know, I think I just started juicing from Bali, the recipes from Bali and herbs. And uh, there was no, no one doing it here. And I was like, God, like this really has to be a thing. But it has to be also cool and like stylish and approachable. Right, and, right. So much of healthy is also synonymous with hippy dippy, mm-hmm. and it can't, it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like healthy people often have to sacrifice style for health, mm-hmm. which it shouldn't have to be. So anyhow, that that kind of was the the beginnings of it. And I I remember feeling that way about drink. Like these are cool, like <laughs> the branding and the mission and the brick and mortars. It was just cool and easy, and it didn't make you feel overly intimidated either it was just like come and try and see our you know our ingredients right there for you to see you can pronounce them and just give it a go and I think that that really is what kind of made me a part of the drink family just really wanting to experience a different way to get my greens specifically but also to tap into that health food space without me feeling like bored if yeah. that makes sense. No, totally. And it has to be approachable. And yeah. ingredients should be pronounceable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, why are things so sweet now? Yeah. I don't get it. I, I really don't. <laughs> Even though I just texted you like, I want a green drink, but I want it to be sweet and green. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be easy, though. Right. You can't just have like right. 10 broccolis in your mouth. Like, right. Just, you can't. You can't. Right. Just, yeah. So I think that's really interesting, your your transition from corporate America to drink. So you mentioned, you kind of gave us the rundown of how drink came to be, but how did drink like start to expand? Because you had one or two stores and now you guys are popping up all over the place and you had a business partner in the beginning too. How has that transition been? I think expansion was just 
coming from Wall Street, I guess, like we had a vision of like, what do we want this to be? We don't mm-hmm. want to just have one shop and, you know, just make juice. And like wellness is, means so much. And over right. the years it's developed. I mean, today we launched food and bento boxes. Like, yeah. And now at our Congratulations. Stores, thank you. They're like Japanese, like pretty functional. Um, and we're also, you know, doing so many new things now with like the apothecary coming. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, you know, I think expansion came from this realization that we didn't want to just start with one shop. And I think ambition comes up and like you want to do more and you're like, is this everything? But it's such a balance. You know, we've really expanded sometimes too quickly mm. and then we've had to scale back. So it's this yin and yang mm-hmm. that I think you just have to really be cautious about and make sure that you have A, the right team, mm-hmm. B, that your customers really want you there. Uh, and we have investors, you know, and I think I'm so thankful for those investors that have been really good and patient ones because mm-hmm. you can have bad investors, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But I owe it to the team. I really do. You know, I think they've stuck around in the vision. And while not everybody has been with us over the five years, they've definitely left their mark and everybody remembers them. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, you know, to your second question, you know, with Jen or um, she, we're still really good friends and we met, you know, at Goldman and. You know, life happens. And I, th- I don't think you ever planned for that when you start a business. And everyone says find a co-founder. But also, it can get complicated. It's more complicated than marriage. Right. You know, we're still kind of working through those things. And I think it's always going to be a work in progress. But empathy combined with communication combined with just being, like, mature about it and not greedy, mm-hmm. um, I think is, like, the solution for any kind of, like, conflict mm-hmm. and resolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you give us a little background on your on your cultural background and, and your parents and, and how, how they feel about you being a business owner now versus being in that finance world? Yeah. I mean, I think my parents, so my parents are different than my sisters. So I have two sisters, and then my parents live in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. They're both, like, immigrants from Japan. So my dad's from Tokyo. My mom is from Osaka and, like, Kyoto area. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very traditional, uh, very linear paths of, like, okay, you're either a doctor, you're a banker, you're an accountant. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. you know, do something normal. Right. Um, I've always just been the wild card. Like, I left Africa, and then just, like, she's just just... Just don't die. Just don't die. Just don't, you know, right. hit that rock bottom. Right. So their, their, their standards were like, okay, you're good. You're fine. Yeah. Um, my sisters, on the other hand, I think, and I love them to, you know, we love each other, but I think it's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's this projection piece with like family mm-hmm. where sometimes, you know, it touches this inner deep side of themselves that they can't do. And when they see it in other people, uh, you don't know whether to support it or whether to love it. Mm, mm-hmm. And I don't know if that comes from a place of, again, projection or just worry. Mm, I, you know, I'm mm-hmm. not sure, and I still can't, like, figure it out, but I wish that in the beginning people had more faith. In you, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that that weak, that failure and those things, like, drive you, right? Yeah. It's like you yeah. only have upside to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I can I can definitely relate to that, and I've shared this on the show, too, like, when I stepped into entrepreneurship and being a writer for a living, you know, my parents were not a, on board, you know, and it, and it was rooted in worry. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had to either fly or fail. And then I had to show that the proof was in the pudding. Like I had yeah. to stop talking and convincing and really just go for it. And yeah. that's what happens with entrepreneurs. Like we don't always have people standing with us until they see that they can. Right. And I wish that wasn't right. how it is, but that just 
can be yeah. sometimes. No, totally. And then it's, just, it's I think it comes from a place of worry. I totally. think everything comes from either love or fear. Mm-hmm. And we're driven by those animal instincts. Yes. And But most times it's fear. And I wish it wasn't. But it just, the world breeds that. Yeah. And it shouldn't. Yeah. You know, we're all the same people. Yeah. We really are. Yeah, it's, it's true. Um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about how self-care plays a role in your life. Um, you mentioned going to yoga teacher training and really diving into yourself, um, peeling off some band-aids, peeling back some layers. What did you learn about yourself when you were in Bali? You know, there's this principle called ahimsa. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar. I'm not familiar. Ahimsa means uh, like no no pain on others. And that also means no pain on like yourself. Mm-hmm. We, we had to like write down a journal at that at the end of kind of like which principle in Ayurveda or in yoga do you really take to heart? And that was one of them. And I think part of that is just like watching the language that you have for both yourself internally and mm. your head, mm. um, which so often are just false beliefs. And then also the language that you put onto others. And so I think self-care comes with like how we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think just being more gentle about it. Mm -hmm. And journaling has helped a lot. I have the five-minute journal, which Mm -hmm. I think. It's wonderful. Yeah, Yeah, I have it too. Mm -hmm. It's great. And it's just so, it's like you did a moment for yourself. Yeah. Uh, I don't wake up with an alarm clock. So that allows me to like just like wake up at like 8.30 or 9. Good. Yeah. (laughs) So it's always nice. But um, I also go to bed at like 12 or 1. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think self-care just means having, knowing what you can control and controlling it well and knowing what you can't control and just surrendering to Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that's amazing. I'm glad that you said that um, as far as like not waking up with you know, an alarm and really just letting yourself kind of rise. I mean, that's another privilege that we have as entrepreneurs is kind of setting our own tone and our own schedule. And recently I've been, I've been on 14 days of meditation, 14 consecutive days of meditation because I was just starting to feel frazzled and I stopped sleeping with my phone on. So it's on airplane mode. I don't, I haven't been checking it until I get Charlie off to school and I get home with Isla and really get deep into our day. And, you know, I was, I was so worried about the whole airplane mode thing. Like I was going to miss something or someone's going to need me or there's going to be an emergency and I'm not going to be able to be reachable. But it has really helped set the tone for my night yeah, and set the tone for my morning. Oh, great. And, you know, I have an alarm, but... I've been waking up before the alarm goes off. What time do you set it, the airplane mode? Um, I set it around 9.45, 10 o'clock. So oh, after I do good. my nighttime meditation. Yeah. It's been it's been really, really great. And yeah. the alarm aspect, you know, it jolts you awake, right? Yeah. So you don't you don't want that. But I have been waking up before the alarm and being able to turn it off yeah. before it goes off and just easing into my day. Yeah. And as someone who works in the self-care space, who writes about it, who is a business owner, I feel like it's very important to tap into myself because as entrepreneurs and just women in general, we're constantly pouring into other things and other people because that's just what we do. You know, I'm a mom, I'm pouring into my kids, I'm a wife, I'm pouring into my husband, business owner pouring into my business. You run all these different stores around the city and it's like, how do we turn inward right Right. how do you fill it up how do we fill it up how do you fill yourself up these days are Um, you filling yourself up these days maybe that's a better question it's an interesting question like I think sometimes I know my body where like if I make up in the middle of the night so last night like I woke up like five times Mm -hmm. and I don't know why I have crystals around my bed now Mm -hmm. which is like 
this new do, like new test that I'm doing. Yeah, just like it's a whole other thing. <laughs> but uh, how I feel up, I mean, I think laughter helps. I'm a severe introvert. Like I just don't. I don't like to surround myself with people after like a certain time. Mm-hmm. And even on weekends, like I say, right, like one outing with like a friend or dinner or drinks or something because I want one day just to do nothing. Yeah. And um, but that that fills you up, I think, is like when you're not pulled in so many directions mm-hmm. and constantly distracted. Mm-hmm. I think what a lot of people are going to want to know, too, um, is being a business owner, having these brick and mortars, having investors, having to really show up for your business, your staff. And these investors, how are you able to balance it? And how many times have you failed before you got it right? I mean, I still fail yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, that I find, you know, the English language is really harsh. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find that? I do, but I have shifted the narrative with negative, with quote unquote negative words like yeah. failure or, right. you know, stress or what have you, because right. we need failure to sure. succeed. Sure. But yes, I do find that. Is there another word that you would have used? I No, I don't know. It's, it was interesting. I was having a conversation maybe in my own head or something mm. about on text when you use the words like good and bad. Mm. It's so polar black and white. Yeah. In Japanese, we have so many more middle words that Share are- Share some of those with us. Ikega, ikigai, which means like, it's it's so hard to explain that in English. Mm. There's not a, like, a good way for it. But mm-hmm. ikigai means just like you live for work. Mm. And it's, it's not about stress. It's a lifestyle. Mm. Like you just- are never happy with the status quo. And while that can kind of come across as tiring in the English language, in Japanese it's a very positive way. It's a positive, like, every day, let's just, like, continue to go on. It's slow improvement, slow improvement, slow improvement. Mm. But, you know, ikigai is, like, one of them. Konjo is, like, another. Konjo means, like, strength Mm. and determination. But it's like a blend of multiple words mm-hmm. versus just like one like one. extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and how have you learned from your failures in business? Because a lot of entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs don't try yeah. because we're scared, fear yeah. of that failure. Yeah. Instead of thinking of it as, okay, if I have to fail to learn how yeah. to do things differently, or yeah. if I need to do things differently, I have to fail to succeed. Right. Instead of looking at that as 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 a lesson and growing and blooming yeah. in this wilting process and coming back to yourself to try it again. Yeah. They just don't. Yeah. I just wanted to know if you had any insight on that with your yeah. own personal experience. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think Ahimsa would say, you know, if you if you're unhappy. You're expecting other people to make up for that unhappiness. It's a, it's a balance, and you, it's not fair to other people around you that you love to put that kind of negative energy on them mm-hmm. for days and days. I mean, most people don't start their businesses until they go through this process of like six months to a year mm-hmm. or forever. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the bystanders to that? Oh, a my lot. God. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Just don't do that. <laughs> I mean, it's not as easy. I understand that. But I think that's also self-care is to know... And be aware of that. So I think for, for me personally, I mean, you know, there there's times where I don't make a decision. And, like, when you start making decisions all the time, you start going into paralysis. And mm. you're like, all right, this, got, this has to stop because my team is going to go crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm changing my mind. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. Mm. So I just made a decision. And there are so many of those kind of little failures where I think it can add up on other people's lives that you just have to be aware of. I mean, business failures, we've definitely opened stores that, like, you know, we've regretted in the past. Uh, but we did find new customers through that. So I think it's just looking at different things in a different light. Yeah. 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 And just 
lessons, right? Yeah. And learning from the things that may not have worked so well. Yeah. And not being scared of that. Because in business and in life, we we often think that things are, are linear, right? That things are just like even keel or we want things to be linear. Yeah. And they're not. No. Their healing isn't. Self-care isn't. Owning a business isn't. Loving the people around you isn't. Everything is so ever-changing. Yeah. And it's like, how do we settle into being comfortable with that and that discomfort? So yeah. that, ugh, I mean. I don't know. It's a. No one yeah, knows. I have like, no idea. Like God no teach me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and it's it's crazy. I had a, a I had a book signing last week at Politics and Prose at the I Wharf that, yeah. and it was so fun. And one of the people in the audience was asking me a question that I about their life that I don't have the answers to. And what yeah. you know, and it took me a while to put those words together, but I said, I tell my students and I tell the people that I connect with that I don't have your answers. Yeah. You do. Yeah. And I think and her face kind of lit up, but kind of was like, oh, damn, then that means I have to do the work because we have to do our own work. Yeah. And whether it's in business or in love or in our relationships, romantic or platonic, we have to show up and do the work yeah. and find our answers. Like my yeah. yes isn't going to be your yes. Right. Totally. I think, you know, pe people just need to remember that and they need to own that yeah. they can lean into themselves yeah. and find their answers. Absolutely, but it's all—it's like it's also an upbringing I find for enough people to tell you that it's okay to listen to your own self mm -hmm. and follow your gut. Because mm -hmm. so many times we think our parents are kind of like we should listen to them, we should follow the direction mm -hmm. all the time, and you need some positive affirmation and good energy around you. Yeah, so I think yeah. To your point, like community. And like also looking at like your current community to say like is this like the community I want to be around and yeah. like it's gonna elevate me yes from a chakra perspective yes. even right like yes think about the seven yep um, and you want to surround yourself with people that bring you higher yeah absolutely. I recently started wearing a new bra by Third Love, and I absolutely adore it. Did you know that breast shape matters when you're finding a good fit? I didn't. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I found the Fit Finder quiz really helpful when I was picking out my Third Love bra. I didn't know I was wearing the wrong size for so long. I think what's really awesome about this is that over 12 million women have taken the quiz to date, and it's actually a pretty fun experience. I answered a few simple questions and I found my perfect fit in about 60 seconds. Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, which is more sizes than most other brands, including their signature half cup sizes. Not only that, but Third Love is convenient. You can skip the trip to the mall, find your fit with their online fit finder, order, try it on at home. No more awkward fitting room experiences. What really sold me on Third Love was the 100% fit guarantee. Every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Fit stylists are available every day to help via text, chat, or phone. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. What's not to love? Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now, they're offering Hey Girl listeners 15% off of your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash heygirl 
to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash heygirl for 15% off today. What has drink taught you about community inside of work and outside of work? Yeah, um, you know, all my friends that I think here now are kind of people that I've met through drink. <laughs> I mean, and I guess this is like, it's both a sad thing and then a beautiful thing, I think, is that like all my friends here are from drink. And like, this I think is that's a amazing. Life. Yeah. It's a life. Yeah. So, I mean, DC's been really good to me. I've met some amazing people here. I wish there were more women entrepreneurs and people that, you know, could also get funding with that because yeah. I think so many people are kind of stuck in like starting their business, but then they don't know how to really grow it from there. Yeah. And like the inflection point of like, all right, what's next? What's next? And people to back them for that. So, um, but I, I wish the community was stronger. What do you think drink could offer the community in that regard? You know, we go internally to ask, like, what's, how are we really different from others and from the community aspect? Mm -hmm. And I think for us is, you know, we are women-owned and we're like 90% female. And we're like, we've hired guys in the past, but like, and we have one, Rob, he's great, <laughs> but like, and Jack, but like most people... I don't know what happens, but, like, we have so much feminine energy in, like, a beautiful way. Yeah. Um, but that forte and also being able to bestow lessons or any kind of help that they might have towards mm -hmm. starting their business, mm -hmm. I think I would love to be more helpful and resourceful. So where I can, whether it's panels and speaking sessions, I definitely try to give back. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. How is it being a woman in business and dating? You know, it's not easy. I've met some two wonderful men in the past, you know, few years since I've started Drink, and they've really watched me um, see my highs when they meet me, because that's the time I, I usually start dating. Mm -hmm. And then they've seen me in my real lows, like crying, can't get up, depressed for days, mm -hmm. and like not responsive and not functioning at all. Mm -hmm. Like, what what happened? <laughs> and like, what happened right. in the highs and lows of business, right? Right, right. But so much of my mood is to, like on basis of uh, the business's success. And mm. I know that's so not healthy. Mm. Like looking at your numbers every day is probably not the most healthy thing or even like looking at it multiple times a day. So I think I need to have more self-control in that respect. But, you know, dating, <laughs> this community is so small. Yeah. Like, and there's not, like, there's, like, five Asian people in the city. <laughs> like, if I'm on Tinder, right. people screenshot that, and then they send it to others, oh. and I'm like, I'm like, what, really? Or I'm like, wow, that's my broker. <laughs> and, it, and it's just like, I can't. Right. But then again, we're, like, let's just be real human beings about it mm -hmm. and laugh about it, mm -hmm. because we all want to date. Right. We want to meet someone. We all want to be understood. We all want to have, like, a deep friendship with somebody and I think that's where it comes from mm -hmm. but I have not um I'll be honest like prioritized like finding a partner in yeah. my life yeah. and I think that's because there's I think there's five things that people can like balance integrate into their lives and three can be prioritized so that's like work it's love it's health like your own health and self-care mm -hmm. uh it's like hobbies and then family and friends and for me family and friends my own self-care right now and work is like three priorities and I would hate to be that person that drags along somebody else into a thing that I'm just not prioritizing mm. and they might be that yeah I love that that's a really good answer I hope so I love I mean, that I, I, I wish you I have had your pens and pencils out. out I mean pens, uh -huh. notepads pencils pens 
all the things. <laughs> Writing utensils because that's that, that's good. And you're giving us a lot of gems in this. I can't wait to listen back. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Are there any traditions that you've brought to drink or to D.C. from your homeland or from your parents? Because I know that you grew up in Canada, right? Yeah. So. Are there any certain traditions that you kind of like settle into that make you feel closer to home and closer to family? I think I gave you some of those little cups that my mom made. Yes, and I still use them. Oh, yeah. And I still have like 30 of them and I don't know what to do with it because they're not really on brand. I hate to say this to my mom, (laughs) but and they're very vintage. But I think some of them are um, just having uh, heirlooms for my family in my house. And Mm -hmm. that includes like incense to crystals, to eating the foods that I think my mom and my parents have just like passed on for generations. And that includes like, and I I joke about this with my team, like my mom should just be the chef for like what's new and trending nowadays, like adaptogens. (laughs) That was so 100,000 years ago Mm -hmm, in Japan, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, we've been taking reishi for years Mm -hmm. and shiitake mushrooms for years Mm -hmm. and eating that. Mm -hmm. But those things are the most grounding is like broths. Um, like wakame-based broths, like seaweed ones, mm-hmm. uh, shiitake-based broths. Dashi is like something, a big one. Rice and, you know, all her dishes are around everywhere. Mm. And then every morning is like a matcha ceremony. Yeah. Walk us through that. Yeah. Please, if you if you don't mind. Sure. So my aunt is a tea ceremony instructor in Japan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so she, so she, is, she also does ikebana. So ikebana is a flower arrangement mm-hmm. and then also teaches matcha, like tea ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I think most people don't um, don't think that um, or don't understand that matcha ceremony is actually not about the tea. Mm. It's about the ritual and it's about the whole. It's a meditation. It really is Mm. like they're almost like bowls. They're not even cups. Mm. And you put the powder in. It's always ceremonial. So look out for like bright green hues. Mm -hmm. And then you have the whisk. And so much of that is like an art. Mm -hmm. And then when you serve it, you serve it to someone else first before you even drink it. Mm. Uh, so you take the bowl and then you, you know, you add the powder and then somebody will serve you hot water and you whisk it and then you have to rotate it mm. and then serve it. It's every small movement that I think is, makes all the difference. And then you get like a little wagashi, which is like a little treat to go with it and everybody eats it together. But it's usually like a 20 minute ceremony Wow! and you just kind of like, it's a meditation. So you can't really do it alone per se, but what I do do is just make the matcha and then in my mom's bowl, and then take that, you know, every morning, which is like so much more of a sustainable way to have like your caffeine mm-hmm. without the, sh- the spikes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do add like our almond milk um, and a little bit of raw honey that my dad, he's a beekeeper. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so did I ever give you a bottle of raw honey? No, okay, but well, I, I would owe you love one. some. I owe you one. So my dad, he um, he's a beekeeper and farmer now after wow. he... Um, so he used to be a Japanese landscaper and like gardens. Mm-hmm. So he retired and he still has his farm because we used to hold just like his excess trees there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, we, we he has like honey. Uh, he makes like miso um, and like all the all those umeboshi, which is like those pickled plums. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> I love yeah. hearing about other people's culture and traditions and I've been telling Ryan lately because we don't really have any in my family. Um, I'm sure you do. We we thump something. We don't. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. But 
I love I love hearing about people specifically who are not from the United States. Yeah. Or who who are um, children of immigrants because there's so much ceremony yeah. in certain traditions. Yeah. And I it just like when you were telling me that I was getting chills just like it's a meditation. The yeah. tea is a meditation. Yeah. You're offering it up to your community. You're 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 eating over food and fellowshipping over food. I I love that. I really 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 love that. Let me take that back about my family. I'm trying to think. We have a very small family. Um so we don't have you know cultural traditions per se, but we do love to commune over food and holidays are big for us so yeah. christmas thanksgiving uh birthdays so in that re- in that regard yes but nothing like what you just mentioned and that just gives me a just it you just can makes start them i can and that's yeah. what ryan said we can start our own yeah. but i just think that that is absolutely beautiful that so many different cultures and traditions live in this world and we're able to you know take pieces from here and there and listen and bring them home with us I just think that that's magical and wonderful thank you you know it's (laughs) funny is like I think when I was young that I'd be so ashamed of it growing up like people call me shih tzu and I was just like wow there's profanity in my name like that just sounds so like oh my goodness so insecure about it and then, like, bringing food from my mom. I would always tell her to make sandwiches instead of, like, bentos. Are you serious? I'm serious wow. because of the smell. Wow. I know. But, like... It makes you, sense, though. When you're a child, you are, like... You just want to fit in and not stand out. Mm. And now, like, stand out, girl. Mm-hmm. Like, shine. <laughs> yeah. And, um... But, yeah, it's taken years to get over that, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Were you guys in a predominantly white area? Yeah, we were. Yeah? yeah so we how were. was how was that for the little girl in you? I mean, it's now in D.C., it's still it's, predominantly. And, mm-hmm. in Van- you know, I'll be honest, like, there's not a lot of, um, we're like 90% Asians in Vancouver, but mm-hmm. I was in one community that was like, I felt, you know, very much like an outsider. Yeah, an outsider. Mm -hmm. And over the years, it's become more and more Asian because China has obviously started buying Mm -hmm. and Singapore and like all that. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, in D.C., I think like there are not as many Asians here either. So I think you get kind of used to it. Mm. But yeah, I don't know what it is. I I love going to Annandale. (laughs) I love going to Spa World. We should go. I love Spa World. Isn't it amazing? It's amazing. And like those orange get-ups. Yes. And And getting in the water. You can just get butt naked and get in the water. And there's that crystal dome. Yes. Oh, my God. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to go. And eat bibimbap. Like, oh, my God. I've only been once, but it blew my entire mind. It's amazing. I was like, what? How is this a thing, yeah. and why am I just now finding out? About yeah, it? you can go on Groupon and buy some Spa Logics. Oh like, it's the most, Im- and everyone looks the same, mm-hmm. which is so amazing mm-hmm. because then you don't judge people by how they're looking mm-hmm. or wearing or any of that. Yeah, you are naked. <laughs> we are all naked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your ass is showing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all just in here trying to just get our self-care on yeah. and just get in touch with ourselves yeah oh my god i love that awesome but as we wrap up i would love to get three self-care tips that you would have said to your younger self good question <laughs> oh man i always watch these in interviews about like how people tell themselves younger when they're younger mm-hmm. uh i think the first thing is 
like own your differences you know that's like one big thing like just growing up again like with my name and looking different not having eyelids I know that sounds crazy <laughs> but I am a mono eyelid Japanese girl <laughs> uh, so that's own your differences and you are beautiful oh thank you <laughs> I appreciate it. and you are beautiful thank you uh, the second thing is that we are be- all of us are beautiful and I think we need to tell ourselves that more often and not in a social media disclaimer way and telling the world that you're beautiful, but mm. just like really saying it to yourself that mm. you are beautiful for this, this, and this reason and owning it. Mm. I think the other self-care thing I would say for number three is that if you don't give yourself a chance now, then you'll never give yourself a chance in anything. So give yourself a chance. Like know that you're smart enough. Know that you're, um, you have enough support around you and people that will help you. Uh, and know that like, like you have all the power in the world. If you're listening to this, you have a phone, right? You're smart and you're able to do anything that even I or you are doing, is doing. Yeah, just do it in your own way. I love that. Thank you, Shizu. Thank you. <laughs> The Hey Girl Podcast is a member of The District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.